Hey guys, welcome to episode number 36 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, I'm super pumped to have Abel James on the show today. He is so full of knowledge and wisdom. He's a biohacker and he also is the host of the number one award-winning podcast, The Fat Burning Man. Abel promotes the wild diet. This diet is similar to paleo. It is just natural whole foods that our ancestors would eat. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you all of it now. Tune in and let me know what you think about this episode by rating and reviewing. Hey, Abel, how are you today? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me, Mimi. Thank you so much for coming on. So let's start with your story. I would love to know about your health journey and how you got to where you are today. Of course. I was uh, raised in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, and uh, my mom uh, was a nurse growing up, putting herself through school and became uh, an herbalist and holistic nurse practitioner. And so I was kind of a sick little kid. I got really sick when I was an infant with a, with a high temperature and then became allergic to pretty much all antibiotics. Um, and, and so mom found a way to heal me using plants in, from the backyard and started writing a book about it and speaking about it. And so in a lot of ways, I was kind of raised in the alternative health woo-woo side of things. And, uh, and then, of course, I had to rebel against that <laughs> when I was uh, late, I guess, late teens, early 20s. And it didn't take long for me to um, put on, I was probably about 30 pounds overweight. I started to get um, a lot of inflammation. My face kind of started swelling up. I was retaining water. Um, my thyroid had trouble getting above 96 degrees. Uh, so my body temperature was having trouble, but I was sweating all the time. I was just like having all of these issues. And I was like 22, 23 years old and, uh, you know, supposed to be in, in, in my prime. And so anyway, I, um, I went into the doctor and, and at that point I had, uh, I was paying off my college loans. So I had a good job, um, or a good job in the typical way of talking about it, as in it came with um, a decent paycheck and health insurance. So it was the first time in my life I had good health insurance. And uh, it was at that point that I had never gotten sicker in my life. Basically, the doctor told me to give up um, eating fat, try to keep that as low as possible, give up eating cholesterol, go for the fat-free thing, um, and and exercise more. I at this point, I was running like 30, 40 miles a week. I was running oh a lot. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Overweight. What's that? That's crazy. That's so much running. <laughs> it was a lot of exercise, yeah. And I was I was following the doctor's diet. I kind of wanted to see how that would play out. And uh, you know, since I was struggling and I had good insurance, I figured we might as well give this a shot. And uh, I had never been sicker in my life. And so it wasn't until I... Um, decided 
that I basically got really sick. I looked at myself in the mirror, my fat face, and I'm just like, this isn't me. Like, What happened? You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be young and in my prime. Clearly, what I'm doing is not working. So let's try something else. And I uh, basically, you know, oversimplifying, but I, I bumped up um, quality fats. I kept eating plenty of veggies. I turned down the, you know, fat-free health foods and sport-based foods like the Power Bars, the Gatorades, the things that are marketed toward runners, right? Um, and I focused more on just getting back to to my roots, really. Um, I was, uh, as a teenager, vegetarian for a while. And uh, so I, I started hitting the veg real hard, didn't really eat many grains. And uh, over the course of, it was just over a month, I lost um, basically all the extra weight got below 10% body fat. And, uh, and I was mad, <laughs> you know, cause it was like pretty straightforward stuff. I, I, I switched up my diet. I started exercising less. I had re- been reading about like old school bodybuilding textbooks and on old bodybuilding forums, no drugs, you know, like natural bodybuilding, or whatever. But I'm like, it seems like these, these guys, and gals have figured out how to change the shape and transform the body. So um, I wonder if they know more than my doctor about that. And it turns out, you know, a lot of people who are physically active, athletic, and also know a bit about nutrition know a ton more than any doctor that, uh, you know, has the typical doctor's education in nutrition, which is which is very thin, unfortunately. Um, and so it, it really takes getting outside of, of your comfort zone to some degree. Like my doctor said, if I, if I didn't turn down the fat in, in my diet, that I would have a heart attack and die. And I'm like 23 years old. It's ridiculous. Right. But, uh, in any case, ever since then I have, I have chosen to live this way and there's, there's really no looking back. Wow. So what would you, what would you label your diet as now? (laughs) I don't like labels, but I, um, I did put out a book called The Wild Diet. And uh, so it, I, I encourage people to eat wild as the ideal. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is like a wild dandelion green that's growing in your backyard or, or something that you find in the woods. But the ideal is, uh, you know, to me, the word natural has been messed with so much by marketers that it's just useless now. It means nothing. Um, wild, though, has been less abused and, and to me still represents nature. Uh, working with your body, working with the world uh, in order to cooperate with your body to to health instead of, you know, this hierarchical thinking where you're going to diet your body down into submission. Um, it's a very different way of, of thinking about it. But uh, that's that's how I would describe it. Uh, I eat wild. All right. So um, what's like a day-to-day meal plan for you with your wild diet? So is it basically <laughs> like paleo-ish? Because that's kind of similar, right? Like there's no processed grains and stuff in a paleo diet. Like how would you compare the wild diet to the paleo diet? And what do you eat? Like, yeah, that's another day? big problem with words. Because like what paleo is supposed to mean is very different from what most people think that it means. So that's why I've, I've written a few books about paleo and ancestral health, but I really do not like that word because it's misrepresented and a lot of people think that it's, it's all meat. So, you know, that's been taken over recently by the new internet fads, the carnivore diet and the keto diet, which, um, you know, ketosis has been around 
for a long time, like a hundred years ago, they were using it to help heal epilepsy. Um, but the problem is in today's world, the hype is everywhere. And the internet is so saturated with all this nonsense. It's hard to know exactly <laughs> what to eat and what to follow. But anyway, in, in terms of what I eat and how it's different from the paleo diet, I mean, what is the paleo diet? Does it mean eating a bunch of meat? Is that what cavemen eat? No. I thought <laughs> I thought paleo was just like um if you can't if you couldn't find it like if your ancestors couldn't find it then you shouldn't eat it. You know what I mean? Then what about those uh paleo protein bars with 30 grams of sugar from honey in them? <laughs> Honey's yeah. totally paleo. You know, that's the yeah. problem is people, you know, um there are all these paleo advertisers now that just advertise super sugary, fatty paleo things that a caveman would never, ever, ever, ever see in their mm -hmm. lifetime. I mean, it's absolutely absurd uh, when you look at some of the stuff that's marketed as paleo. So anyway, that that's one reason that I thought it was important to not um, really identify with that word, although I do really consider a lot of the people in the ancestral health movement close friends and and uh, and peers. And also, I think we have very similar messages. But as for the way that I eat and, and what I recommend, I eat quite a bit, actually, uh, recently of, uh, of oats, sourdough that we make all at home. Uh, we soak our oats ourselves. They're the big, thick kind with plenty of fiber. Um, I eat tons of vegetables, carrots, sugary vegetables, sugary fruits, um, not a ton of them, but I usually eat one, maybe one and a half meals a day. And um, I haven't eaten breakfast with just a few exceptions. Like I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm not a zealot. Um, but on a, on a typical day, I don't eat breakfast and haven't for seven or eight years. Um, I don't eat lunch most of the time. And when I do eat, I'll start with um, a bit of green. Sometimes I'll have uh, like a green juice or I have uh, Future Greens is uh, from our company, Wild Superfoods, which is like a greens powder. Uh, bone broth is something that I think is really important for uh, a natural source of, of collagen. And so that's basically just like an old school way of making real food soup. So we'll have uh, a soup or a broth of some kind. And then uh, I don't eat nearly as much meat as most people do. Like whether it's the standard American diet, people who are keto, people who are paleo, I eat tons less meat than they do for the most part. I, I consider meat um, like bacon, for example, or like sausage, anything that's like a salty meat as a condiment. It's something that you use to flavor other foods, make greens, make vegetables taste good. Um, but you're not eating platefuls of the stuff, right? And when it comes to eating meat, like we did have burgers last night, but we make tiny little sliders. And we, um, for the buns, uh, my wife Allison made made our own plantain pancakes, which you can use as buns. So you take green plantains and just eggs, you throw them in the blender, and then that's your batter. And so uh, it's it's uh, not as afraid of of carbs and food <laughs> as a lot of the paleo and keto diets are, which which are really dogmatic and exclude a ton of foods. Uh, some of them healthy ones, I I would think, uh, like vegetables and fruits, for example. Uh, those tend to be excluded from the popular versions of paleo and, and keto these days, anyway. Which which is really not the way it's supposed to be. 
Oh my God, I totally agree with you. So I experimented with um, a more plant-based keto diet this past year and, you know, I lost some weight, like I felt really good, but I'm obsessed with researching the things that I do. So I actually read, do you know Dr. Will Cole and his book, Ketotarian? I haven't read that one yet, but yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Okay. So I actually had him on the podcast as well. And he's awesome. So I read that and I was like, oh my God, it's like so much more simple, you know, like, um, his philosophy, I really agree with. And even like Dr. Mark Hyman, I really agree with like the whole keto thing. Yeah. It's, you know, it worked for me for kind of quicker weight loss, but like, I love some fruit and like, if I'm craving a sweet potato, I'm going to eat the sweet potato and that shouldn't be something that I'm scared of. So I think definitely agree with you, um, on that, how, you know, the paleo or the keto diets, like this diet, is just telling you not to eat certain foods that aren't actually bad for you. Um, so I totally agree. And I've just really cut out like all, like, I don't even eat honey anymore. And I don't really eat like agave nectar or coconut nectar, any of those like healthy-ish sugars, because you know, that's not really natural. If it comes in like the fruit form where there is fiber and, you know, the mix, the perfect mix for your body, um, then I'll eat it. And I think the intermittent fasting thing as well, I do that and it's changed my life. I'm convinced it's the reason that I have so much energy and I'm feeling so great every day. It's because I don't, I don't do one meal a day like you. I'm not that intense. I do like maybe a window of like six to seven hours of eating a day. So like I'll start at 12 and kind of have like an early dinner, but that's just what works for me. Um, everything, I think everyone's different, but I definitely think fasting is such an incredible thing that's so underrated for so many people. Yeah. As long as it's not abused. And I'm happy to hear that, that you feel good doing it that way. When I first started, I was doing that as well. Like basically starting eating around 12, um, 12 noon and then eating until basically dinner time. And I think that's a great way to get started or just push breakfast back a little bit. Um, but like I said, you can definitely fast too much. And I have, and and when you do the energy for me anyway, starts to get zapped. Like some people ask me, they're just like, Oh, what about the three day fast and seven day and then 12 days and all that. It's like, ah, you know what? If I just eat one meal a day, I'm pretty good. I'm like, eating enough food, I'm satisfied. Um, if I start eating at noon, I'll eat a smaller dinner, right? Like if th- that's why I kind of say one and a half because a lot of times I will have a smaller meal in the uh, early afternoon or late afternoon that's mostly veg-based and mostly like it's not, I don't, I don't start eating meat almost every day. I do not start with meat. I almost always start with plants. Um, and they, it could be nuts, right? It could be any sort of, of fibrous plant food. Um, but I, I'd say I probably eat 70 to 80 plus percent of, uh, of food by volume, uh, that's plants. So it's like the wild diet is absolutely a plant-based approach that includes some meat, but, um, certainly not unlimited amounts. Are you picky about the type of meat that you eat? So for me, I, yeah, like I don't really eat red meat much. Like sometimes I'll have, um, you know, really good quality bacon. I don't remember the last time I've had that though. Um, that's yeah. just like a big treat. Um, and you know, sometimes like organic chicken and I have organic eggs. Um, and I love wild salmon and stuff like that, but I'm really not a big meat eater at all. So what are your standards of quality with the meat that you eat? Uh, almost all the meat that we eat that is red meat is, is pasture raised, grass fed and grass finished. 
Um, and oftentimes what I'll do is, uh, I'll cook up a big batch, like a, like a roast and smoke it. And, um, we, we've got a, a, a smoker that I can use outside. And so basically I'll, I'll cook up a few pounds of meat and we'll, we'll use it like a lunch meat. So thin slices, um, the smokiness is really nice. It's almost like making your own bacon, except from really high quality grass fed pasture raised, uh, meats. So as far as that goes, yeah, we eat some red meat. Um, a lot of times we'll, let's see. Yeah, we try to diversify our meats more than anything else. It's not like we eat a ton of red meat or a ton of chicken or a ton of fish. It's just like we're swapping it out all the time. Um, one thing that we do every week or a couple of weeks, pretty much the only food we get from outside the house when we're at home anyway, is uh, from a Himalayan restaurant, which is kind of like spicy uh, Indian style food. And, um, and so we'll eat uh, lamb, We'll eat, uh, we can get buffalo and, and even yak and elk meat up here because we live in the mountains at 8,000 feet in Colorado. Cool. So uh, we wow. have a lot of fun eating different kinds of, of wacky meats, um, but in a way that is hopefully um, spiritually connected in the way that our ancestors would have thought about eating meat, right? Because uh, my parents in New Hampshire for a while there had two cows in the backyard that, that we raised for meat. And, you know, we named them, the dogs loved them. We hung out with them all summer and they became like pets in a lot of ways. And, uh, ultimately, you know, by the time the fall came, uh, we did, um, wind up having a cow share from those cows meats. And we, we, um, shared them with our community, with, with some of our friends who, who lived around there. And, and this was my parents kind of like leading this whole thing. But I mean, if you're eating an animal that you, that, you know, had a face and a personality, um, man, what a different experience that is from just like chomping something down when you go through the drive through or getting some like prepackaged frozen paleo meal from someplace, right? It's, it's oh a very God. different, uh, and sacred experience. And I think if, if that sounds woo woo and too much and like freaky for people to think about, I think it's, it's worth taking a step back and being like, how many animals have I killed and eaten over the course of my life? Right. Like, I, I think it's very important to be a responsible meat eater, but also it's important to realize that like vegetarians kill lettuce too. Like life is something that is not limited to mammals, right? Life is something I, I consider to be all over the place. And so when you eat food that is high in, in life, right? When it's fresh, when it was treated well, when it was, whether it's plant or animal food, when it was raised the way that nature intended, it's going to be better for your body. Cause our bodies are meant to run at a hundred percent. They're meant to heal themselves. And so if we get out of our own way, stop, um, you know, eating low quality food, then, uh, the way that our body responds is, is usually quite remarkable. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you could argue, you know, plants don't have like feelings and personalities and stuff. Like, I don't know how I, I mean, yeah. it's debatable. Like, do you, do we know that for sure? Because for example, um, like humans can't photosynthesize, but, it, but plants can. And, uh, so like we have some plants that we take care of here and we have a garden, a small garden here, uh, that we don't take good enough care of. But when, when, uh, over the course of the day, the plants turn their leaves toward the sun and they, they move toward the sun. It's slow motion, 
right? But like they don't advise something's happening there. Is that consciousness? Does a slug have consciousness? I can tell you my dog does. <laughs> she creeps me out from across the room. She'll look in the mirror and stare me down through the mirror, <laughs> like across angles and stuff like that. It takes consciousness to do things like that. And so I think we need to be, um, it, it, it's pretty easy to fall into the trap of saying like all meat eaters are terrible people because they kill animals. But um, it's it, like the way that humans eat and the way that animals eat should all be part of an ecosystem, right? It should all be part of this uh, ecosystem that supports itself. When you take yourself away from nature, when you start focusing on eating all of these monocrops and these, this large scare, scare <clears throat> excuse me, large scale art, um, ways of, of raising meat and cows. Like if you have those gigantic pens of factory farmed cows that are blasted with antibiotics that are eating leftover candy with a wrapper still on them and cement kiln dust because the farmers know that that will make them fatter faster. When you eat that stuff, it is bad for your health. It's bad for your spirit. And so I think it's really important that we, uh, that we re-examine the way that we eat. When you look at other cultures, when you look at cultures historically, um, they have a sacred connection with food and water that enters their bodies. And we've lost sight of that. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we're in such trouble. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's one of the biggest reasons that, you know, the fact that we're not intuitive eating and we're not thinking in, about what we're putting in our mouths, it's why there is an obesity epidemic. And it's like the main killer in America. It's crazy. I live in the UK. So it's the second biggest killer, um, obesity related diseases. But in America, it's like the number one killer, isn't it? Yeah. And okay. So just to put it in a perspective, because we kind of live in now and, and we assume that it's always been this way, but in the 1950s, around 10% of people in America anywhere were overweight. So, you know, one out of 10, not too many people. And even the, the type of overweight that that was didn't tend to be m like morbidly, morbidly obese that you see today. So skip ahead to today, what, like 70% of people are overweight, but looking at 2030, you know, in just like 10 years and change, we're going to be at 85% overweight or obese. 85%, which means like nine out of 10 people are going to be overweight instead of one out of 10 in, you know, a little more than 50 years. That is madness. That's, That's madness. Out of control. You know, it's absolutely insane. Is that progress with all of our technology, with all of our medical expenses and medical procedures and all of the uh, you know progress that we've supposedly had? This is where we're at and this is where we're going. And that's a problem. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. It's mind blowing how people like can just get, let it get to this point. It's absurd. It's like, you know, first of all, I I can't even imagine what it's like being overweight or obese because I like my energy. If I'm, you know, a few extra pounds heavier than I usually am and I'm really petite, I'm like five foot one and like 118 pounds. Like I'm okay. a small girl. So yeah. like if I am, you know, reaching like 125 or something pounds, like I feel heavy and lethargic and like I instantly want to get back um, to the gym or get back to eating healthy and feel good. Like it's addictive yeah. to feel good. And, you know, obviously food is addictive and, you know, people that don't have a good ed education on health and what to put in their bodies and they don't really know what they're eating. Like, I guess that 
also has a factor, but I just don't get it. How can so many people be okay with being this unhealthy? Yeah. So you could, I was really depressed about that for a little bit. I don't know if that's the right word, but I was bummed out about it, right? I'm just like, how could Mm -hmm. this be possible? And then I thought, well, (laughs) is it more likely that all of these people, and I know a lot of them, right? Like I've worked with a lot of people, helped them through being overweight and then getting back to health. But is it more likely that they're all independently making these decisions to be overweight, to be sick, um, to be, you know, kind of like unfulfilled and unhappy? Or is it more likely that they are being manipulated into being that way because they were conditioned to believe that the food pyramid is correct and they're conditioned to believe that doctors have their health in mind, which is usually, in my experience, not true. Now, there are some good doctors out there, but in the traditional Western system of of medicine, at least in the US, good luck getting healed at your doctor. What you will get is pharmaceuticals. So at, at the time that I was at my sickest, my doctor had prescribed me in my early 20s, a half dozen different prescription medications. One of them was to help me sleep. Another one was, I think, uh, the only type of antibiotics that I'm not allergic to, basically. Another one was uh, to reduce, I believe it was cholesterol. Uh, another one was just an antidepressant for good measure that he gave me. And there were a bunch of other ones too. And uh, that is the status quo. Like I don't tell my story of of getting um, sick back then and, and overweight and bummed out and whatever because I'm special, <laughs> I tell it because that's the typical story that happens to almost everyone when they reach adulthood, at least in America. You put on, it's not the freshman 15, right? You put on the, like in your 20s, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds. Then you put on another like couple pounds every year, your whole life until you have type two diabetes and cancer uh, by the time it's about, <laughs> you're about to retire, right? And uh, that is not the life that our ancestors would have wanted for us. Um, it's it's really not but i think it is it's more it's more about practicing self defense um i think of it that way when you're eating when you're exercising when you're living um if if 9 out of 10 people you know 10 years from now are overweight and sick then that means to be healthy you must be a fluke you must be doing things that are absolutely different from almost everyone else around you you must be doing things that will get you made fun of that will get you comments, that will get you, you know, hate from some people because you're different. But um, for better or worse, that's something that I think you can embrace. If you're like, I'm going to be healthy and weird, <laughs> then that in a lot of ways can be the first step to, um, to committing to this because you have to commit to being different for it to work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I really hope it doesn't get to the point where in just over 50 years, nine out of 10 people are overweight. That's, that's so sad. That's craziness. Um, you know, I definitely agree. Like it's, it's a lot of what people have been told and the food pyramid and, you know, going to the grocery store and having all of these options that are so, you know, brightly colored to entice you. And, you know, it's not easy to get healthy food a lot. Like I'm, I'm talking in America, like a salad is more expensive than a burger or like chicken nuggets and fries. Like it's, they're not really giving people many options here. It's just, it's nuts. It's absolutely insane to think about because it's like, we have this epidemic and we don't really have anything to help it, you know? Oh yeah, 
and I, I was starting to struggle with my health in college. And one of the reasons for that is because I couldn't afford to eat. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like I couldn't um, afford. I almost had to drop out of an Ivy League school where I was going to college. And uh, yeah. I did. So I went to Dartmouth for my undergrad. And then I uh, studied in London for a couple of months. And when I was there, uh, food was so expensive. This is, you know, more than 15 yeah, 10, 15 years ago at this point. It still is. <laughs> like, the only place I could eat was where I could go into this, like, uh, I'm sure they still have them. Uh, it was basically just this one place where they had containers of, like, Asian-style food. It was like a buffet, and you could just fill up a container for three pounds with whatever, like, just, like noodles, low-quality, disgusting Chinese food and meat and whatever. But everywhere else... It was at least like 15, 20 pounds, which for me was like 40 bucks back then. And like mm. growing up broke, that was just not in the cards. So um, I really feel, you know, in college, I was eating tuna fish and spaghetti and like eggs and the cheapest stuff, <laughs> the cheapest mm-hmm. stuff you could. I really feel for people um, who don't have like the budget or don't consider themselves to have the budget to eat uh, really high quality food, but it's worth saying that. It doesn't always like if you're broke, which which I was for the majority of my life, there are other ways that don't necessarily take money of getting high quality food. Like, for example, my brother um, has his own organic farm in upstate New York and and farms like those like CSAs and, and, and other c- community based farms. Uh, a lot of times they'll let you come in and help help weed like on the weekends, for example, like you do a couple hours of work. And, uh, and they'll send you home with a whole basket or a whole like box of veggies and, and fresh foods. So, um, there are always like little things that you can do. I remember in college, I was on a free food, uh, mailing list basically. And so anytime there was free food on campus, it's just like, oh, sweet. <laughs> I run across campus and go get whatever, you know, they had there. Um, mm-hmm. and have to listen to whatever the presentation was or whatever, but there are always ways to, um, to get by. And I would encourage people to really prioritize your food because if you don't, you're going to be eating things that are not suitable for humans or even animals to eat. Like the the quality of our food now is laughable. It's pathetic. It's disgusting. And it's making us absolutely sick. So uh, when you, when you just take a few weeks of cleaning that out, right? Like you, you, you stop eating the processed foods and you get back to the foods that are fresh and real and from nature. Um, it only takes a few weeks for you to be like, wow, I've already like lost a bunch of weight. The brain fog is gone. I'm not puffy. I've lost this, you know, the, the inflammation in a lot of cases will go away and you get that boost of energy so that you want to start working out. Like you said, it can become addictive to move your body because we all want to. Like we know what happens to kids when they don't get recess. That like why would that ever stop happening to us? I try to go outside every couple of hours, you know, and and, and spend some serious time just like not talking to anybody, just being out there in in silence, reading, writing, creating, whatever. And and people don't give themselves the space these days, it seems to do things like that. But it's so important for keeping everything in balance. And when you get your diet down, it, it really gives you momentum to help get your movement and, and um, lifestyle factors down. And then one really cool thing that I've seen happen a lot is people will start their own thing. So that like business that they always want to 
to to start or that book they always wanted to write or whatever it is like people will start doing that like I, probably a half dozen people have have gotten in touch with me over like since I started uh the fat burning man show like 7 years ago and they started their own gyms like one uh these couple of guys I actually later had them on the podcast I think they started so they lost a bunch of weight, got their health back, and started feeling so great that they they couldn't work their desk job anymore. They couldn't do the regular nine to five thing. So they decided to start up a gym together. And I think in like the first year, uh, they had something like 250 people in their community, in their gym. Um, and and so they had a business <laughs> in, in like that quickly. And so life starts to open up as well. Once you start mm-hmm. to like violate the pathetic norms <laughs> that most of us were brainwashed into accepting over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. 100%. My performance, I know from personal experience, it is always like 10 times better than if I'm feeling sluggish and blech and not eating totally right. So it's crazy. I even, you know, even seeing athletes eat like really unhealthy junk food, it's like, what are you doing? Like, this is your job is performing. Like, I, I just, I can't stand it. It's crazy. So I totally agree with that. Um, so I have two more questions for you, Abel. Number one, what do you think about dairy? Because obviously the past year of like playing around with the higher fat diet, like I found it really easy to just go towards like, you know, an organic goat's milk cheddar from Whole Foods if I want, you know, something yummy that doesn't feel like, you know, I'm being super strict. And I like, I love cheese, but I always yeah. get good quality cheese. But I know it's not that good for me. Like I've, I've done all the research. I know dairy is not supposed to be digested by humans. Like I totally get it. What do you think about dairy? And do you think I'm able to still, you know, eat my goat's milk cheese sometimes? I have never given up dairy, <laughs> except oh my God. for okay, thank God. <laughs> little bit when I was a vegetarian, but actually, you know, uh, the farm that my dad was raised on was a dairy farm, organic dairy farm way back in the day. And so like a lot of my family, uh, they, they used to be dairy farmers or grew up on a dairy farm and, and dairy is an interesting one. It really is because it's a unique, weird food that some people seem to do okay with and other people do not. So as an example, my wife is, um, about your size and she, she loves dairy too, but she'll probably avoid it 50% of the time. She kind of goes, goes in, in spurts, right? But she'll, she'll notice that it might give her a little bit of inflammation, um, but not, not much, right? And it's only like it, the way that she thinks about it is she kind of gets this quota, right? Where you can have a little bit of cheese or you can have a little bit of goat milk or a little bit of ice cream or a little bit of whatever that's dairy-based. Um, like I like to make yerba mate tea. And so I put a little bit of heavy cream in there and it's a mate latte. <laughs> and so like mm. a lot of times I'll make it almost every time with heavy cream for me. Like I'm drinking heavy cream in my coffee right now. Grass fed, pasture raised, heavy cream. Really like that. Um, I, I don't think the lactose in milk is as well di- digested by, by most people. We tend to, um, like I hardly ever drink real, uh, uh, cow dairy milk. I'll drink heavy cream from cows, but if we're drinking um, milk, it'll usually be goat milk, um, which can take a little getting used to for some people, but I really like it. And uh, it tends to be a lot higher quality and easier to digest for uh, a few reasons. 
than than cow milk. But basically, if you consider that you have a quota of dairy, whether it's every day or every few days, I I think it's such a like irreplaceable food, right? It's you can try eating those fake nut based cheeses and all of the fake dairy stuff, but it's uh, it's not as good, never as good. And um, it's debatable whether that fake dairy, like the fake, like soy based meats that some vegetarians eat, like it's debatable if that stuff's even good for you at all. That might be worse for you than the actual dairy itself. So I would say don't freak out about it. We've been drinking milk, eating cheese in various cultures for a while. But if you notice that you have dairy and and you have digestive upset or you you notice inflammation or you notice that you can't um, lose weight, for example, this even applies to whey protein. Like a lot of women, um, especially if they're around menopause, will have a lot of trouble losing weight if they're taking whey protein for various reasons. But there are things like that where it's like dairy is a delicious food. It can help you um, build muscle, but mostly it's just a, a food that's really tasty. It will not really help anyone lose weight. That doesn't mean that you, you have to give it up it completely if you want to lose weight. But at the same time, like one of the problems with modern keto and, and, and even paleo is that a ton of people are having like two sticks of butter, but it's grass fed. So it's good for you. And then like eating a block of cream cheese, because that's totally keto and it's going to make me skinny and my brain work better. And that's ridiculous. You're going to clear the hallways before your brain works better, right? It's, <laughs> it's one of those things that's not just, if you use a little bit of common sense, you, you take a look at eating a block of cream cheese and you know that that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely insane. I totally agree. I think honestly, the conclusion that I come to is that it's A, quality and B, quantity. So I'm not yeah. going to eat a lot of this cheese that I buy, but I'm going to really enjoy it. And it's going to be really good quality. And it's not going to be a ton. And most of my meals revolve around a ton of veg, you know, a ton of healthy fat, like avocado and nuts and a little bit of, you know, good quality protein. And that's it. I always like to say, you know, the greens, the healthy fat, the fiber, and the protein, those four things I always try to include in my meals. And yeah, I completely agree with you with the dairy thing. Like we have been having it for ages, but the only thing that's been, you know, changing over the past hundred years is the quality and the amount. So Obviously, you know, we don't need to cut it out 100% and go crazy. Um, we just need to concentrate on quality and quantity. And that's that's my my views for sure. Exactly. Yeah, my, that same brother who's an organic farmer, he worked uh, as kind of an apprentice making cheese for a while. So he'd, he'd bring these gigantic wheels of cheddar home. And there's just nothing that can compete with that. You know, there, there are certain things in life like food that I think should be really enjoyed with a lot of consciousness and attention. But I'll just bring up a quick example from when I was on that um, ABC weight loss challenge show um, with, uh, I worked with a man named Kurt, helped him lose uh, 87 pounds over about three and a half months and completely uh, turn his health around. There was another woman on the show named Latasha and uh, she was having trouble uh, basically, she was plateauing. She was losing weight, but she was plateauing and not really getting that much uh, results. So I was with uh, her trainer and and we were kind of like going through like, so what what are you eating every day? You know, like what are your favorite foods? What are the things you think might be holding you back? And she's a TV newscaster out of Atlanta. And so like big, kind of like 
it, it, it can be stressful, you know, being on TV every day for your job or whatever. And so like one of her things that she liked to, to do is come home and have a really nice cheese, which I think is a great idea <laughs> for the most part, if you really enjoy it and, and you focus on it. And we're like, well, you know, how much are you having uh, on a daily basis for like cheese wise? And she's just like, oh, I'll eat the whole block. And we're like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> oh my God. You'll eat the whole, like every day you'll eat a block of cheese. And she's like, well, yeah, I, I really like it. And we're like, oh, okay, well, there's the problem. And <laughs> we can work on that. Uh, and it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, I can, I can understand how and why that would happen. And I'm sure I've eaten a block of cheese myself <laughs> in one sitting from time to time. But um, it's, it's one of those examples of just like, if if you can find that one thing, and a lot of times it will be some sort of dairy or treat like that, um, there's a big difference between eating a, a square or two of chocolate or a slice or two of really high quality cheese and eating the whole block. And I don't know exactly what the quality of her cheese was, but that's one thing that, that happens. Like if you have Velveeta or one of those really crappy disgusting, low-quality cheese-like products, you can eat an unlimited amount. You can put it on tacos. You can put it all over stuff. You barely taste it, but it's like kind of good or whatever. But with a high-quality cheese, you actually don't really want to use it on on cooked foods or in dishes as much, I don't think. It's better to just eat it straight up because you can really appreciate it more. You can taste more. And then you don't wind up eating a whole block of it, hopefully. (laughs) Seriously, that's so true. Um, definitely, again, quantity, it's everything. If you overeat yeah. it, it's just like, you're also not going to enjoy it that much. Like if the times yeah. that I've had my whole block of cheese, <laughs> like the first few bites really just taste the best. And That's right. Yeah. Just the first few bites. And then it starts to get like boring almost, right? Yeah. Then it's just like emotional eating at that point. I think when you overeat anything, it's, a, it's not really much to do with you being like super duper hungry. If you binge, it's more emotional in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, so my last question for you, Abel. So you're obviously strong and fit and like, you know, men would probably look up to you for, for your physique. Um, you know, so my boyfriend, Ben, he is six foot four. He's really tall. And like, he's the kind of guy that if he doesn't go to the gym at least once a week, he'll lose weight. Like I'm so mm-hmm. jealous of his metabolism, but he's just yeah. like, you know, he's strong because he works out, but like if he didn't work out, he would just lose weight and he eats carbs all the time. I'm talking like processed, you know, pasta and I'm, I've gotten him to eat less processed meat, but like he, he needs a carb at each meal. <laughs> That's just, yeah. you know, how he's satisfied. Um, is it possible? Cause like when I make dinner for us, I'll just, you know, I'll make him a side of carbs cause I won't eat it. But like, for example, last night I made him like a pesto pasta and like I uh, sauteed a ton of kale and broccoli and had that as my base. And like he had a bunch of veg with it as well with like some chicken on top. But, um, you know, he won't be able to do it without the pasta. Is there anything you could tell me to like do for him or cook for him that will keep him full, but also cut out those processed uh, carbs and the processed wheat that he's eating? Yeah, yeah. I think this is a really common problem, actually. Women tend to be a lot more health conscious and and tend to be, you know, physically smaller, too. So when you're physically smaller and in the female frame, it's like you can you can almost like not get away with as much coloring outside the lines or just like really overeating. But when you're like six, four and a huge dude, it's a different problem, Um, like especially as a man, you want 
to eat enough and you'd rather be a little bit bigger and stronger than than skinnier for them you know for the most part or at least that's kind of how how I'm affected and how I can relate to this situation so what we have the same problem in some cases I don't eat a ton of carbs and I don't eat them with every meal necessarily but uh so like I was saying my wife Allison she's been really getting into making her own sourdough breads um which you can do without modern grains, without gluten, without any nonsense. It's, it's a lot of fun to experiment with. Uh, so that's one thing to just have, keep around. Uh, also, oats. I, I really like oats a lot. Um, they can be very filling without like a ton of calories. And especially if you're athletic and you're, you're working out, like they have that saying, a horse feeling its oats. That's when it's just like speeding up in the middle of the race. You know, you get that second wind. And as a runner, I can feel those oats if I have them and I can feel them if I, if I don't. Right. So, um, those are another healthy thing. And then even better probably, and he'll like this one, this might be a great way to get him to eat a little bit better or start like coming over to your side of things is make him, um, baked goods, like pies, cookies, and what have you, but don't put any bad ingredients in it. Like for example, we have um, chocolate cookies that my wife and I make, and it's uh, you know basically just like coconut and a bit of nut butter, a tiny bit of sweetener, and maybe chocolate chips inside of it. And it's like uh, any grown man, he'll have trouble turning down cookies, pumpkin pie, you know, whatever it is. Um, and this that- is the thing. He doesn't have a sweet tooth and I'm the oh. one who's like craving chocolate. He just likes savory and carbs. <laughs> savory and salty. Well, okay. So you can make any of, any of those treats more on the, the savory side as well. Um, and then of course, you know, like double baked potatoes, sweet potatoes. If you can cook those up in a big batch and just kind of have them around for him to eat, it's really easy. You don't have to prepare it every night. Um, and yeah, carbs are really forgiving that way because you can make like a big old thing of rice. Rice is pretty easy too. It makes make some fried mm-hmm. rice, uh, throw some veg in there, maybe a little bit of, um, you know, like salted meats to make it more savory form, mm-hmm. some, some nice high quality fats in there. And I mean, that'll be pretty easy because you can always cook up a big old thing of, of rice on a Sunday, right? And it'll last you probably all week if you cook enough. Same thing with oats, same thing with potatoes, you know, plantains. So have fun with it and, and um, encourage him to have fun with it. It'll probably take him a little while to, um, <laughs> to get focus used less to it, on yeah. the processed foods. <laughs> Men tend to be dirty eaters. We're, we're raised to be dirty eaters. And the more we eat and the more dirty it is, the more manly we are. That's kind of how men think about it with each other in a weird way. Like if you don't eat enough uh, fried chicken wings with your guy friends, they'll bust your balls for it, right? It's one Mm -hmm. of those just weird things. So give him some time, but um, try to have like quite a few carbs around that are clean for him to just like have. And Mm. that's the cool thing too. Once you make up rice or oats, you can turn it in, or potatoes even, you can turn it into a bunch of different dishes over the course of that week. And then of course, like if, if you're interested at all in getting into bread baking, um, mm. it's, my dad was really into it when we were growing up and the way that it smells up the house and the, the little, like, uh, I guess it's, it's a very sense sensory experience, right? So, um, it's a way to help people who might not be on board with eating real food or, or be 
as interested in food. It's a way to help your family fall in love with it the way that that you have, right? And so that's the trick is helping them to like see your passion in it and then and then share that with you. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you so, 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 so much, Abel. This has been such a fun 45 minutes. I feel course, like that went by so quickly. <laughs> um, I'm sure we will uh, do another podcast again because there's so much more to talk about. And yeah, is there anything else? How, how can our listeners find you? What do you have going on at the moment? And let's talk about the new products that you came out with, right? Yeah, so... Um- the easiest place to find the the recipes, the books, and the health-related stuff, my podcast and all that, is going to be at fatburningman.com. And uh, the, the company that we just launched is called Wild Superfoods. And that's basically uh, a health supplement project for us to be our own sponsor. So with, with uh, my, my podcast, with the videos that we do, and all the new series that are coming out, we can hopefully break even or maybe do even a little bit better than that without outside sponsors, without you know the message being influenced at all. And so we're really happy about that. If you're interested in uh, wild superfoods, we've got Future Greens, a vitamin D stack, uh, omega supplement, and probiotics, and a few others that are coming up. So check that out. Check that out at wildsuperfoods.com. And then finally, one thing that I've been doing uh, in the past few months is getting into filming in, in virtual reality. Uh, music videos and, and my background is as a musician and so uh, I've been doing this series called improv with Abel where I'm just making up songs on the spot some of them are really silly other ones are more serious and chilled out and so um, you can get that series as well as a virtual reality series I'm just releasing now called adventures with Abel which is uh, like a virtual reality or 360 video tour virtual tour type thing of um, national parks of crazy kind of esoteric ancient aliens type places like America's Stonehenge and the Serpent Mound. So ancient sites across North America. You can find all of that at abeljames.com. That's A-B-E-L james.com. So we're busy, but it's great fun. <laughs> so cool. I must check that out. Well, thank you so much again, Abel, and we'll speak soon. Thanks for having me, Mimi.